Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and it is truly grand and glorious today. We'll spend the next couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in our trademark energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics. We'll have some music and culture, uh, some transportation, and some secrecy. Ah, the secrecy has reared its ugly head once again. Uber producer Dan Peters is out today, but we have an able crew on hand to keep you updated throughout the day with the latest news and weather from the KSFY Severe Weather Center. You heard Sean Cable there at the top of the hour saying it's going to be 16 degrees on Easter Sunday. That doesn't seem quite right. Also, that makes for a for cramped, cramped quarters on a lovely Easter afternoon, but we'll get into that some other time. Thanks for spending your time with us today on the radio at Information 1000 KSWO. Whether you're in an office somewhere cooped up on this beautiful day, like me, or driving around town with your windows rolled down and taking in a little bit of that beautiful sunshine, 40 feels like 60 on a day like today. And actually, it's like 40. What did, what did Sean say? Sean said 49. Ah, that's unfair to me because I'm here, but I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. And if you're streaming live out there on KSOO.com, anywhere in the world, it's lovely to be able to speak with you as well. Or on the KSOO mobile app that, of course, you can get right now in any app store that you choose. It is the branded KSOO mobile app, so you're going to want to search KSOO when you get into the app store, and it'll come up, and you're going to get that one-touch streaming through your phone, which is awesome. And remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. P. Lally Show. Dan's out, though, so not a lot of posting. I, I post when I can when Dan's gone, but, you know, juggling all the balls. As it were, sometimes you don't get a lot of tweets out. But you can go follow along there at P. Lally Show. You should if you haven't. We're building followers every day. Hey, yeah, so it's 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 just plain old nice out. How did that happen? I've been miserable, as you know, because it's been cold and crappy and snowy and rainy and haven't been able to do everything I want to do. I bet you the bike trail is just going to be packed tonight. Just packed. It'll be like a freeway over there. And tomorrow. And, you know, this is one of those chances where everybody's going to go outside because you have the opportunity. But be careful out there. Remember, remember a little courtesy on the uh, bike trail system, our our greenway system where we congregate the massive 30 miles of, of greenway. Be careful. Okay. Announce your presence when you're riding your bike or when you're, you know, on your long board or rollerblading or what have you just you know be courteous let everybody know you're coming that way you don't run over to people no close calls we don't need any of that hey also uh, a programming note uh you know it's uh almost baseball season baseball your minnesota twins are opening the 2018 season on thursday in baltimore against the orioles the game is at 2 p.m i believe which means that to barring some sort of deluge out there in Maryland, we won't have a show because they're in our slot. Because this is Information 1000 KSOO, of course, the home of the Minnesota Twins 
here in the greater Sioux Falls region. So, you know, that happens from time to time when there's a day game, uh, particularly particularly early in the season. Uh, you know, because the Twins, they play more day games because, you know, it's outdoors and it's Minnesota. And it can be, you know, 20 or 30. They can be out there playing baseball. So they try and play during the day when it's a little warmer. Maybe the sun's shining. And uh, so you get we'll get more conflicts. But, you know, I hope that I hope you enjoy just listening to a baseball game. There's nothing wrong with that. You can listen to, you know, the Dazzle Man, Dan Gladden, do, uh, you know, I've said this before, and uh, Corey, uh, Corey, uh, Corey, I can't remember his last name. Uh, you know, he's no Herb Kernel or John Gordon. Let's get that out there. But the play-by-play guy for the Twins, he does a fine job. I don't mean to criticize. He does a fine job. But you got the, uh, you got the Dan Gladden doing color. Oh, my God. I hope this year they don't let him do uh, play-by-play in the middle three innings like they've been doing. Oh, for the love of Pete. I love Dan Gladden, you know. Uh, part of that, you know, Twins championship run back there in uh, 91. Was he? I don't, he was not on the 87 team. No, he was not. He was on the 91 team and uh fine player. Love, love the Dazzle Man. Hate the Dazzle Man's play-by-play. Okay, I'm just going to tell, I'm going to say that straight out. Be, oh, you'll hear the bat. You know, there'll be a sharp report of ball hitting bat and, you know, there'll be a crowd. Ah, yeah. And then Dan Gladden trying to tell us what's going on. Uh, you know, he tries. He means well. But that's all coming up. Thursday is the opener. The home opener is next week. Uh, they go for, I think there's three in Baltimore. There's a day off in there because it's weird at the beginning of the season. And then two in Pittsburgh, I believe, getting a little interplay right off the bat. And then uh, then they're home against the Mariners. So be looking forward to that. Follow along all season here on Information 1000 KSOO, and we'll be chatting about the Twins from time to time because, you know, the ba- the Patrick Lally show is baseball friendly. Also, uh, we're not here Friday because it's a holiday. Good Friday is, ho- is the holiday on Friday, and so there won't be a show. But we've got a great f- show for you today. Our guests are Stephen Wilson. He is a USD student who has drawn a lot of attention for his performance of the National Anthem in Lakota. And we'll talk to Stephen and hear his rendition because it's impressive and you're going to want to stick around for that. That's in the second hour. The smart cyclist Michael Christensen will be in for Weird Friends, and he's got some advice for uh, the next mayor. And blogger Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press will be here to talk about state politics, as he is most Tuesdays. And I'll have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic, all oh, that aforementioned secrecy continues down at City Hall. Gotta love secrecy, right? <laughs> I think you know where this is going. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 317 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. We're getting a little closer to free here on the Patrick Lally Show on a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Well, 
Thank you to the Bodines who for our theme song here on the PL statement closer to free. So let's get right into it. All right. Let's not let's not sidestep anything here. Let's get right to the business because this is uh it's maddening, frankly. It's maddening. It it angers me. It 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 drives me nuts. Um you know, longtime listeners to this show, if there are such a thing. We've been going about the nine, ten months now. I can't remember. We'll know that I am a go- advocate through my career for government openness. Openness. You need a, you need transparent government. You need an open records. You need open meetings for government, a free government, and a free people to actually work. And in South Dakota, and over the last several years in Sioux Falls, we have not had that. And here's the latest example. So we know we had uh, a, a girl die, drown at Falls Park. We've been talking about that for a while. Um, and there was talk about the fact that the city of Sioux Falls had done a audit or had an audit done uh, of the park, essentially a safety audit, right? And that's what they said after this five-year-old died. And so what any reporter does, they ask to see it. Uh, Joe Sneavy from Argus Leader Media filed a formal request with the city under the state's open records laws on March 20th. This is from a story that ran today on the front page of your Argus Leader. So they were declined. Heather Hitterdahl, Heather Hitterdahl who is the spokeswoman for Mayor Mike Huther, said that any documents related to the audit, if they exist, would need to come from the Public Assurance Alliance, which is the organization created by local governments as an insurance pool, okay? And it has been a, oh, let's just say thorn, a point of contention for some time because the... Public Assurance Alliance is basically a secret organization that does not uh, reveal any uh, details about settlements that they make. And it, they represent the city of Sioux Falls and, and other cities and local governments, okay? And it's, a, it's, it's an insurance pool to guard against uh, big judgments or major costs um, from all kinds of different things. Well, so the city says we're not giving this thing up because it's not ours to give. It's the insurance companies. Well, here's the deal. This is further evidence of government secrecy run rampant in your city hall. And you'll remember the secret settlement over the Premier Premier Center siding and that the Argus leader had to sue them to get that. Think about this for a minute. A child dies at Falls Park. The city says they've examined the issue and doesn't need and doesn't see a need for further safety measures. A reporter asked to see the report. The city says we can't give you that because it's for our insurance company. 
or by our insurance company, the reporter, knowing that this is going to be the answer, says, who's that? The city says, well, it's us. See, because we're self-insured by the Public Assurance Alliance. Got it. So what we have is a self-constructed barrier of secrecy established for the sole purpose of protecting the local governments from scrutiny. They would say the sole purpose is to provide insurance, but what it does is give cities an out, a barrier, a cover against any sort of questioning. You know, a, it's a protection, right, against government mistakes and accidents and, and the like. The fact is that the PAA keeps all kinds of local government settlements secret. Every time there is an accident or a plane that settles with a local government that participates in the fund, the details of that settlement, even the actual existence of the event or situation, goes deep into the vault of government secrecy. And remember this. This is a very important thing to remember. This isn't an insurance company. It's not an insurance company. It is a public alliance. Remember this. They are settling with your money. That is taxpayer money. It didn't come from the ether. It didn't come from the feds. It is yours. So the PAA wants a benchmark of liability for the falls. All right, that's what we're, that's what I'm led to believe here. What is the city's, that means you, exposure to lawsuits and settlements at the falls or anywhere else in the city for that matter? So it sounds like a good idea, right? To have this audit? Sure it is. But it's my city, my money, my liability. Give me the document. The fact that South Dakota allows the PAA to operate in this way as a shroud of silence around government, potentially government bad actors, right, is as much evidence as you need to understand how this state is barely a functioning democracy that protects the interests of the powerful and the moneyed interests to the detriment of average citizens, what we like to call the taxpayers. What else has the city buried in the vaults of the PAA? How about sexual harassment complaints, unlawful terminations, racial or ethnic discrimination, negligent city workers, unsafe working conditions? All are possible. We have no idea if there isn't an action in open court. And how much have we spent on these claims? We have, I mean, really, we have no idea. Our mayoral candidates are all preaching this vague gospel of transparency. So did the current mayor. But that didn't happen. In fact, just the opposite has happened, and this is evidence of it. Now, I personally don't believe, and I have stated on this program, that the city should make significant changes at Falls Park. You simply can't guarantee the safety of every person who walks into the park. I can see some minor steps at certain times. In this case, um, you know, the foam piles up down there because of all the agricultural runoff. All the phosphorus and uh, nitrates in the water make this big pile of foam at the bottom of the falls. And it backs up in that channel. And it looks like snow to a kid. It's white and it's fluffy. It's cotton candy. It's chemical candy. They could put a fence around it for a couple days. I could, I could maybe see that, a, a snow fence, 
that can easily be taken down if there is an emergency and it's in the way. They could maybe build one of those little viewing platforms to encourage people to stay in there like they do in other places in the park, but they can't fence the thing off. All right? They just can't. But I want to see the, that's what, I mean, I still want to see the report. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm completely misguided and this is a huge safety liability and we need to know about it and we need the information put before us, uh, surveyed by some sort of safety expert that tells us this is something we should look at. Maybe, I don't think so, but maybe. The information in that report would help us all make a decision one way or the other. There is simply no defense for not releasing the Falls Park Safety Audit. None. It is government paternalism run amok. It is control from the top. It is All the things, all the examples of why pressing your government officials for openness, questions, not hiding behind the law as they do. There's nothing that says in most cases in South Dakota that you can't release documents. It says that you can keep certain things secret. There's allegedly a a presumption of openness now, but it has not worked that way. But that doesn't keep the mayor of Sioux Falls from releasing that report. Because if we are liable, it's going to come out. Get it out there now. Release the report. Stop this secrecy. That is the bottom line on today's P&L statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Drop me an email, patrick at kso.com. I'd love to hear from you. Also, go on Twitter, at P. Lally Show. Throw us a comment there. Always fun. Coming up after the news and weather, we've got the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, in for Weird Friends. couple segments. He's got some great stuff today. Suggestions for our next mayor. That's next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO, and we get our blood pressure up with Trampled by Turtles. Wait so long. One of my favorites. It's in in heavy rotation on the Patrick Lally Show. Good song. Yeah, we're here with uh, the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, for Weird Friends. Michael, thanks for coming into the studio. Good afternoon. You know, you are the only weird friend who actually comes in the studio, and for that, I deeply, deeply in gratitude to you. Take note, other weird friends, <laughs> up your game. Let's get it together out there. Uh, I don't know what that says about you. It means you. It means I work close. <laughs> That's right. Hey, a um, couple things I want to talk about with you. And I should say, we have so much to talk about that we decided to do two segments. So the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, is going to be here up until the four o'clock hour. Excellent. I'll settle in. Yes. So. Uh, first of all, Saturday is your uh, monthly coffee shop ride, right? Isn't that Saturday or yes, Sunday? Yes, Saturday. Saturday coffee shop ride is the last day of March. And 
And this one is kind of special. It's special because it's the official kickoff of 30 Days of Biking. Yeah, which is an awesome uh, movement that has taken over the world. Yes, it started by just a couple guys in a hashtag in yep. Minneapolis. Yeah, and now it's you ride for 30 days. You ride, try and ride every day in April. Every day in April, any distance, any bike, even exercise bike. Yeah, even just around me. the parking lot. Yes. You know, anything. Any day that you don't feel like going out, you go around the block. That's what I do. Yeah, and then you uh, tweet about it with and the hashtag 30 days of biking. Yes, and it's a neat thing. Yeah, and they take pledges online, 30daysofbiking.com. There's thousands of people all over the world that do it, um, and it's it starts April 1st and ends April 30th. Um, we're not kicking off April 1st because we're respecting Easter, but uh, the day before we're doing it. Uh, we're leaving. We're we're departing Flyboy Donuts. Yeah, it's right down the road here from doing the studio. A, doing a ten mile, ten mile, ten mile an hour ride. So that's ten miles, ten miles an hour, one hour. <laughs> does, that, does that work? Does that work out? I'm not sure. Yes, it does. So, so it's not meant to be a difficult ride. Uh, last year we had something like 56 people. Wow. Uh, the weather will good. be a little bit worse this time. So maybe, um, of course, lots can change between now and Saturday. Right, but, but uh, it'll yeah. be it'll be fine. And then we get decorated donuts at the end. A oh. limited quantity of decorated donuts. And it's Flyboy Donuts, so it's the best donut you can find. Yes, and it, they're custom. I asked them, I said, can you put that 30 Days of Biking logo on those things? And they said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll cost you. <laughs> I said, okay. That's awesome. And this is uh, a... Uh, Minus car project ride, which is you, but also because that's just you and smart cyclist because that's just you. But it, is this also a fab deal, right? Falls area bicyclists. Yeah, situation. actually, actually, it's going to morph into a fab ride now. Um, we're gonna we're gonna encourage. We're gonna mention fast on the ride. It's going to be a falls area bicyclist ride, and uh, and uh, yeah, it'll be fun. It will be fun, and it is fun. It's it, always fun. It's a great way to kick off thirty days of biking. Um, you know, I want to talk to you, though. Uh, uh, that's the fun part. The other thing that we talk about on this show a lot <laughs> is are, are like policy issues, like uh, ways to uh, we are both advocates for smart planning and more efficient transportation where we can. Is that yes. fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. We pay attention to issues, national, local, that have to deal with the ability for a person to move around their community. Um, Not necessarily tied to a car, but that's okay if that's what we both drive. Right. We both have cars. And we do. We are fans of cars. Yes. But we are also fans of alternative transport. But we also practice our bus occasionally and our biking occasionally yeah. and our walking occasionally. So what I want, uh, what I've asked uh, uh, Michael to do here today is sort of, if he could ask the next mayor, don't, doesn't matter who the mayor is. We're not making some sort of endorsement here based on transportation. Good. We're just saying to who, whoever the next mayor would be, if they, that person was sitting here, these are three things that I think are very important for you to address in terms of transportation. If we had a magic wand, how does that sound? Does that sound? That sounds good. good. Let's include city council in that. Yeah, too. we'll get them all around. T- so it's going to be a bigger room than this, but are, that's fine. Are you all listening? Yeah, Mayors, I bet you they are. City councilors? I bet you they are. Okay. Um, and we're going to do that. So we have enough time. We're going to take a short break here, and okay. then we'll come back, and we're going to knock them out. There are three things. So stay tuned, and you'll find out the three things <laughs> that the smart cyclist Michael Christensen would tell to the next mayor and council about how to make this a better city. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000.
KSOO. We are back on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. That's not Trampled by Turtles. It sounds a little bit like them, but that is, of course, Good Morning Bedlam. And I think they're playing very soon a uh, uh, Pink Moon Lounge session over at uh, White Wall. They're really? great. Yeah, they're awesome. If you can get over there, it's, just go to Facebook. You'll find, find them. You'll, that's, what my, that's my answer to everything anymore. Just go Look to, on Facebook. Go, just search it. <laughs> Why am I telling you a website? Just, just find it. You can Fire up it. the Google machine. Yeah. Jeez. Um, I need to change with the times. Uh, Smart cyclist Michael Christensen is with us, and we're talking about, we, we teased this a little bit on the, on the other side of the commercial, and that is uh, things that you would like to uh, see the new mayor and council do, and I should have said in the short term, because this is really all under a broader yeah. for you. Yeah, so so my broader thing is mayors and city councilors embrace, embrace, embrace the public health aspects of biking and walking and mass transit. Mass transit often leads to more walking, and so I'm including that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means embrace the idea of density. Uh, that means making, encourage, full throat, do it. People, get out and walk. It's free. Um um, lament fatalities when they happen on the roads, do it noisily. That shouldn't happen. Um, say address, address parents' concerns about having their kids walk to school mm-hmm. by supporting them in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and say that you support them in it because we are, yeah, cause health is a thing and it's only going to get we worse. A, we have a whole public health arm of the city with and under that live well which is about better health amongst our citizens and this is a free and easy way to do it It doesn't cost any government money right right and under that then you've got sort of we're talking and you've got like some suggestions for the near get these things done in the first year yeah and and actually they're sort of in motion now and so what what i'm saying is hey get get in get in here and support these ideas um there is a proposed subdivision, a proposed change to the subdivision ordinance. I didn't even know we had a subdivision ordinance, but continue. Um, I'm reading that it hasn't been changed since 2008. It's time for an update. Um, some of my favorite things are in there are, well, uh, biking-wise, um, better alignment between developments, better alignment of roads, better connectivity between subdivisions, which means better alignment of intersections. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, the, the standards to reserve new bicycle trail corridors. Yeah. So, so a couple things there, the, the alignment of intersections, if you look at, um, think 49th street from Western to Louise mm-hmm. and the opportunities of walking across 49th street in that area are few and far between and dangerous and ironically way back when we built that wellness center there at the mm-hmm. uh, oxbow, oxbow 49th and oxbow 49th and oxbow where we blocked one of those aligned intersections to put that building there um if you look at marion road from 41st street to 12th street and the few opportunities to cross to walk across that street because you know yes you can go to a light every quarter of a mile but what you'd like is every block but Every block does not have an aligned intersection. So to bike across that, you have to ride on Marion Road. You can't just wait for a gap in traffic and go across the street to the other side. Yeah, You have to turn left and then right, or you have to turn right and then left. 
Um, and so walking, biking, even, uh, even people on wheelchairs, you get one of those T intersections yeah. that happen when your subdivisions aren't aligned. It's dangerous. And, and the, the person in a wheelchair can't depart one side of the street where there's curb cuts because on the other side of the street, it's a curb. It's not an intersection. The sidewalk is, is, has a curb between you and it. Yeah. And so, yeah, you get, you get developers to have better standards between their, de- <clears throat> between their developments. And then you can move about more in your community in any, any mode of transportation you like, even driving. Yeah. Um, the bike trail standards are, we have trouble expanding our bike trail, the, the existing paved mm-hmm. multi-use thing that goes around the core of the city. The MUP. The MUP multi-use path. Path. Thank you. Wow. Um, <laughs> multi-use trail. That's a T, not a P. Yeah, a the MUP. MUP. <laughs> so branches off the MUP um, have trouble because while there's lines drawn on, drawn on maps for the planning department, mm-hmm. the developer comes in, puts houses, puts lots there. Doesn't pay any attention. People to buy those houses. People who buy those houses don't know that those lines on those maps mm-hmm. exist. Then they get mad. And then, then you're stuck developing that new spur because you have you literally are you're not in their backyards because the lines are on public property but there's that always that potential in those neighborhoods so so upgrading those maybe developing a temporary surface through there so that it's clear you're moving in here and there's a bike trail behind so lining up subdivisions that's a big deal and that's coming up in this next year i think it is yes. yeah okay it, cool. it is a proposed ordinance right. and they number two written. number two bike pet advisory board um this has been uh floated by well in existing is a is a bike committee that um is kind of ad hoc and kind of informal and and what i characterize that committee as someone who meets with the planning office to tell their plan to tell the planning office when they're about to do something stupid mm-hmm. and so, they've been very good about listening and they've been very good about listening they have not done anything stupid in a long time <laughs> 10 to 12 years i'd say but that's not really official but they float the idea in front of us and we either nod or shake our head <laughs> and then we figure it out well th- yeah it's not official um and so making that formal floated by our friend chad hey let's make this more formal let's let's make it an advisory board let's make it mayoral appointed and uh and and have bike and pedestrian uh, people like people a, yeah we have boards for all kinds of different stuff and and in fact there is an existing pedestrian board and so we just and need so to this expand would, that we want to expand that the idea is hopefully to expand that and and so yeah that's awesome i like that one a lot and these then, are ideas that the mayor and the new council could address in the first year in the first year easy yeah. stuff yes okay and then uh for then the third thing is right now we have just freshly put up four uh we have put up signs that say bikes may use full lane in four locations. Um, under 229 on Cliff Avenue and Minnesota Avenue to um, help enable bike traffic to get in and out of the core of the city to the bike path. Mm-hmm. Um, one, Some more signs on 22nd Street between Grange and, I don't know, probably Lake or Western um, where the lanes are narrow and there's lots of traffic going through into that Sanford Hospital facility there. Mm-hmm. There's already a Shero there. There's already a Shero there. That's so painted on the on the lane. Yes, that's yeah. painted on the ground, and these these signs would enhance that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, along 49th Street by the Empire Mall, where they're they just they're working on redoing the access to the mall in a bunch of different uh, north, that's south, a, east, and west. That is a uh, frightening. Cor- I've ridden that corridor yeah. enough. But it's dicey. 
Yes. That's a tough one. Yes. And yeah, of the of the four, um, that one is the most tense. Yes. And yeah. And these are signs we'd like practice that. signs along the side of the road. They're white with black lettering yep. and a symbol of a bike that says bikes may use full lane. Yes. And why, smart cyclist Michael Christensen, is it important to tell motorists that bikes may use full lane? Because a bike being ridden down the middle of a lane, down the full lane, um, is, shows, communicates clearly that don't pass me in this lane. If you get a bike going down the right-hand side of the lane as uh, relatively close to the curb, there's eight feet of space there, and a driver is, is tempted and often does use that eight sp- feet of space to go around a bicyclist without changing lanes. Particularly in a, a four-lane, five-lane, or you know, four lanes with a turning lane and that yeah. kind of thing. Yep. And, uh, and they're going fast there. And they're going fast there. And, yeah, so calming that traffic, communicating that don't pass me this lane because it's going to be dangerous for me and you and all of us then. And these, those signs. these are all uh, uh, common sense steps that could be part of, too, a broader public conversation about what is allowed and what's not allowed. Yes. So all this yes. does is raise, the sign, all it does is raise awareness of something that is already in existence. Right. It's not like if there's no sign, I don't get to use the full Right. That, that's the funny thing. That's the downside of those signs is, oh, there's no sign here, therefore this Run bike, them over. This bike <laughs> shouldn't be going down the lane. The reality is bikes may use full lanes everywhere. Um, that is in the ordinance. Um, but these signs are a reminder to drivers and some encouragement to bicyclists. It's awesome. Michael Christensen, he is the smart cyclist on Weird Friends, and he's a certified public certified bike instructor with the League of American Bicyclists, yes. right? Yes. And president of the Falls Area Bicyclists. I am. And a board member for Falls Area Single Track, which is mountain bike trails. I am. You're all those things, I, all wrapped up into one human being on this program. I care deeply. That's awesome. Thanks for being here, Michael. I really appreciate you coming into the studio. Thanks for having me. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog. We'll be right back. Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with Guitar. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. On Saturday, big Easter uh, Easter egg scavenger hunt downtown, 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Just go to the uh, cookie jar eatery downtown and you'll learn all about it. Coming up after the news and weather, we're going to talk with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog here on Information 1000 KSOO. Five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And a little music from Two Tracks, Into the Gray, to welcome back to the program from the wilds up in Northeast South Dakota, Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog, uh, based in Aberdeen. Corey, how are things? Patrick, things are great. We had two inches of snow yesterday, and we got 10 inches of sunshine today, so it all balances out. <laughs> 10 inches of sunshine. I like that. Uh, so uh, we talk to Corey most Tuesdays. He, of course, is the uh, uh, avowed lefty blogger of Aberdeen. Uh, 
too much acclaim and maybe much uh, re- revision, reviling. Revi- what is that word? Re- you, know, uh, you know what I'm saying. Re- revolution, revolution, take your pick. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Crosswords. It- <laughs> Crosswords they give me sometimes. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but you've been going now for at dakotafreepress.com. Corey, how long have you been doing this? Um, I've been blogging in some form or another consistently almost every day since, uh, I want to say, December 2006, so over a decade of this. That is a long time to be hammering out uh, political blogging uh, about state and local issues. Um, so kudos on that. Um, the thing that's going on today that's pretty interesting that you've been writing about is all the uh, it's the deadline to get your petitions in to be a candidate for your South Dakota state legislature. And Correct. There are 54 minutes left to either hand those petitions to Chantel Krebs in person and peer or get a post office postmark on them and send it registered mail, not certified mail and not UPS, but registered mail. 55 minutes from up, oh, 53 minutes from now, <laughs> it's too late. Sit down or run independent. So coming up, the the election, of course, is in November. The primaries are in June. And uh, it seems like you've been writing about a lot of people getting in um, your sort of, uh, I don't want to call it companion blog, but uh, the uh, another guest on this program at, uh, is Pat Powers from South Dakota War College. He writes about a lot of Republicans getting in the races. Um, but as you're looking at the whole thing right now, it seems like there's a lot of people running for legislature in 2018. Um, there are. And as, as of my count at 345 this afternoon, and of course this doesn't count every petition because some people will get them in at the last minute and some will still trickle in this week by mail. Um, I think I've seen some mailed petitions come in even a week after the deadline and still be counted. So it'll be a week before we know for sure. But right now, from the data available, um, both parties, Republicans and Democrats, have more slots filled for legislative races than their historical average so far for this century, so far for every election since 2000. That's amazing. So Yeah, and uh, that's without, like I say, that's not counting whoever comes in here in the last hour or whatever papers Chantel and Kia and the great team out in Pier are, are flipping through furiously trying to get certified. The um, and so there's 105 seats, right? Is mm-hmm. that correct yep. between the House and the yep. Senate? And so you've got uh, primaries in many cases, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, often uh, at least the way it works. You in the House, you've got uh, two seats in every district. We got a weird system: two seats in every district. And so if you've got three people, three Republicans or Democrats running, they're running for two seats. But it's a it's a lot of seats, and it's a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, just it's. It, it kind of complicates the math when you're looking at the sheet sometimes, but I, I can tell you this. Right now, um, there, there are 105 slots available. Mm-hmm. Some districts, they have primaries. It looks to me like there are going to be uh, four Democratic primaries in the House, eight Republican primaries in the House, and then on the Senate side, there will be one Democratic primary and there will be eight Republican primaries. But even after that gets sorted out, once, you know, the, once the primary folks are eliminated and we're down to the actual picks, as it is, there are slots filled, uh, for, there are 80 slots filled for Democrats for the general election and 96 slots filled for the Republicans. Say those numbers again, 80, how many for Democrats? They're out of 105 total yep. slots. If this sheet holds right now, there are 80 Democrats signed up and that's you know not counting whoever's going to be filled in by five o'clock yeah. today. 80 democrats 
96 Republicans. Well, Democrats have suffered in recent uh, cycles because just not being able to field candidates across the state almost. Uh, so this would seem 80 seems like a higher level for them. Certainly that's a good showing for Democrats, of which you are one. Yeah, well, and, and we can look historically. Uh, last time around, 2016, there were 81 total Democrats on the ballot. And that was after primaries and everything got settled. Mm-hmm. Now, we, you know, we, and, and years before that, in this decade, we've seen as few as 65 Democrats total out of 105 in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the, the low point in 2014 mm-hmm. compared now, to there were 94 Republicans that year who ran. So uh, we should say you, in fact, uh, filed your petitions today. You've been a candidate before. You're going to run again. I, I, yesterday, I drove out to Pier and drove, drove through that two inches of snow. It was coming down, and then it disappeared by the time I got to Miller. Yeah, handed in my petition, too. So I'm, I'm uh, 1% of the, of the great blue wave this year. <laughs> so you have to be uh, fairly happy with this, this turnout as a Democrat. Oh, yeah. And what do you, you think know, that I mean, says? In general, you know, the more Democrats you have running, the better that is for the party as a whole. Because in, in every district... When people go to vote, if there's only, you know, if there's only one Democrat on the ballot, well, the, you, don't, you don't build momentum. People don't go, hey, a whole bunch of Democrats I can vote for. Mm-hmm. You want to have as many there as you can. Mm-hmm. And I think especially this year when we have all of our statewide races, governor, attorney general, secretary of state, that kind of thing, if you want to bring Democrats to the polls, well, you've got to give them some Democrats to choose from. And the more of those spots you can fill the more reasons there will be for any given Democrat to get excited, get off their butts, and come vote. And likewise on the Republican side. This applies to any party. If you want people to come vote, you got to give them someone to vote for, and as many people as possible. And the Democrats have a, a lot of ground to make up, because how many Democrats are there in the legislature when they walked out the other day after veto day, or yesterday? When, how many were there? There, were, there are six. Democrats in the Senate out of 35, and there are, oh, I'm going to get my number wrong. I want to say it's 10 Democrats in the House. It might be 12, but I have to look that up. I'm pretty sure it's 10 are in our noble, well, no, I'm going to say 12. Yeah. 10 or 12 in the House caucus. Not enough to make a one-third vote and, you know, block certain procedural rules and that kind of thing. We are the super minority compared to the Republican supermajority in both houses. So it's not as bad as it was when McGovern came to the party in the 50s and started trying to rebuild it when they had two Democrats. Uh, but it's Yeah, if, if you want to set the bar there for us, you bet. We can <laughs> hop over that one. <laughs> That's as low as it got, uh, but uh, it's, it's still pretty low by historic standards. Um, and this is, this is an opportunity for Democrats. Yeah, well, of course, we say that every year. Every yes. year is an opportunity to do better. It's just a question of whether we capitalize on it. I'd like to think that the apparent increased numbers we're seeing signed up to be candidates this year, I'd like to think that's a sign that more Democrats are willing to do that. And, you know, the Democratic Party did say at the beginning, they, they said, we're going to fill every slot, all 105. That remains to be seen. We have 20, uh, 25 slots to fill yet, and we've got 47 minutes to do it. <laughs> there might be a few more, but certainly 105 is a goal that is not really attainable. I mean, for either party. Yeah, and I checked the ballots, and I looked just, you know, for this century, the 2000s, and neither party has ever done that. If, if you ignore the occasional Republican who, oops, mo- mo- messed up his petition and has to go file as an independent, that happens every now and then mm-hmm. for both parties. 
Um, the biggest turnout year was actually 2008. Um, and that year, if you go look at the general election ballot, there were 102 Republican legislative candidates and 101 Democratic legislative candidates. Yeah. So, yeah, even in our best year, you know, at least in recent history, we've never seen every slot filled by a Republican and by a Democrat on the general election ballot. But, hey, first time for everything. It could happen. It could still happen today. We, you never know. Um, we're you gonna, betcha. We're going to come right back and talk more with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog up there in Aberdeen. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 419, the Patrick Lally Show. Maybe the sun will shine today. Information 1000, KSOO. The clouds will blow away. And we are returning to our conversation with Corey Heidelberger. He, of course, is the mastermind behind the Dakota Free Press blog up in Aberdeen, and he covers a lot of state politics, including the legislature, and we have been chatting about the petition filing deadline, which is today, and who's going to be running and who's where. Corey, um, where are you seeing, you talked about uh, uh, primaries earlier. Are there any uh, like interesting and contentious primaries out there we should be uh, paying attention to? Well, every good primary should be interesting and contentious. If they aren't <laughs> fighting with each other, what's the point? Come on. Um, yes, actually, I was just trying to go through my list and see what's going on. Um, obviously, the, you know, the, the Republicans wrestle with each other more than Democrats. We Democrats, I mean, I, I talked about our better numbers. We're like, woohoo, we got more numbers. But for the most part, we're like, thank goodness we got a candidate. Never mind having a primary. Yeah. But in Sioux Falls. Among primaries in Sioux Falls, in, in District 15, the very heart of the city, we have three Democrats who are running for two uh, House seats in District 15. So you've got Jamie Smith, your uh, incumbent, one of the incumbents, and then a gentleman, Josh Reinfeld, mm-hmm. and a new entry, Linda Duba. Oh, I know Linda Duba. You know, well, she's in. She just filed today. So since this is, you know, House, so there are two seats, you've got three entries. They'll have a primary there in District 15 for House, and I believe I have to do two fingers now to run my computer. No, District 15, no, uh, on Senate side, nobody's filed against Reynolds Nesteva yet, at least oh, okay. not the Democrats. So Reynolds doesn't have a, have a primary, but 40 minutes to go. We'll see what happens. Don't take anything for granted. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Linda Duba, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. is a longtime uh, she was a, a track coach, maybe uh, a, a, a teacher and coach in the city for a long time, um, if that's who I think it is. And I believe it is. Uh, okay. So that's that's interesting. She'll know a lot of people. And who is this? Who is the second person on the list? I didn't recognize uh, that. Josh name. Reinfeld is the name. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know that person. That's interesting. So that's one where it's going to be a Democratic primary. Interesting to watch. And that is often um, that's one of the districts in the state that is often uh, held by a Democrat. Um, there used to be a few in the city, and through redistricting, those have been uh, eliminated. Mm-hmm. Isn't that Yeah, and this, so <laughs> District 15 is kind of that last Democratic bastion in the city. And at this point, again, 39 minutes to go, you can tell I'm really into this deadline stuff, <laughs> yeah. um, there, are, there are no Republicans filed in District 15 yet. So, so that's the race if it comes down that, to that. If, if that, primary, that primary in District 15, that would decide who your two Democratic candidates or Democratic representatives would be from that district. That's now, of course, 
another thing we're not factoring in here when we talk about who's who is independence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, independents get an extra month this year to file their petitions. Their deadline is the last Tuesday in April, so I want to say April, 20, April 24th. So even in District 15, and we've seen this sometimes, where they may not get a Republican, but they'll get someone who really is a Republican, or at least hard conservative, and they'll run independent. Actually, Jenna Hager did yep. that one year, and, and uh, my friend Eric Leggett, he lived in District 15. He ran as an independent, even though he's... You know, he hangs out with the Republicans. He's working for them out in Pier. He's, he's mostly a conservative guy, a reasonable one, but still conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ran as an independent there. So did Mike Myers, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there may still be independents in those districts. It'll take a few more weeks before we know that. For That's sure. interesting. Um, are there, you know, what I like to watch sometimes is the, uh, uh, the, the, the alley fights that go on out in Rapid City. Um, mm-hmm. Are we looking at anything interesting out there in terms of uh, Republican, uh, you know, because they tend to all be Republicans out there, which is fine, but there's a very deep conservative wing and a, a more moderate wing. What are we seeing out in Rapid? Anything cool? Oh, yes. Pass me some popcorn. <laughs> um, District 33, and I just I put up a blog post about this this afternoon in District 33. Um, at least what's in there right now. First, uh, in District 33, there are two representatives, Kathy Howard, and how can you not have a legislature, legislator named for Candy? I mean, come on. <laughs> Kathy Howard filed early, so she's like, I want to do it again. And then David Johnson, when he got done cussing out Lynn DeSanto, mm-hmm. David Johnson said, yeah, I'll run again. But also, there was a city councilwoman, Amanda Scott, who filed to run for that seat as well. So we're like, oh, let's see, got Kathy, got David, got Amanda, oh, primary in District 33. But then another gal filed in that same district, Melanie Torno, another Republican. So now we're up to four. And then Janet Jensen, who is the wife of Senator Phil Jensen. Same district, I suppose. Same, yeah. Yeah, same house. It's same address. I assume they're getting along. The same address <laughs> on the petition. That's, so let's, let's back up now. So uh, Phil Jensen a very, is a noted, very conservative uh, uh, senator from Rapid City. Right. Yep. And his wife is getting into a very crowded primary for the House seat. Yes. In that same, that's, I don't ever remember that happening. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, now check this out then. Here's the fun twist. Yesterday is when Mrs. Jensen filed her petition for House. Mm-hmm. Same day, Amanda Scott, councilwoman who had filed for House, she walks in and withdraws her house petition. What? Too crowded? But she, she, it's less crowded, but you know what she did? Hmm. She filed a petition to run for Senate against Mr. Jensen. <laughs> what is going on out there? That's hey, awesome. like, I said, like I said on the blog today, I don't know what the Republican story is in District 33, but I'm sure there is a story. And so you want a fun race? I bet that one's going to be exciting. Yeah, that really, uh, I need to know the backstory. There has to be a really good backstory. Yep, yep, yep. That's good. Well, it is primary season, so we'll be watching that. And uh, Corey Heidelberger, uh, maybe next week we'll have uh, some final numbers and we'll sort of pop through those. But I appreciate the rundown and, uh, uh, you know, good luck out there, man. Hey, always happy to do spreadsheets on the radio. (laughs) Thank you, sir. You bet. Coming up after the uh, news and weather, we're going to come back and chat with Stephen Wilson. He is a USD student who sings the national anthem in Lakota. You're going to want to hear that. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 
KSOO. And it's 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are uh, very happy to be joined by uh, Stephen Wilson. He is a USD freshman and down in Vermilion, the beautiful, lovely burg of Vermilion. Nothing better than Vermilion in the springtime. Uh, Stephen, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, the reason I wanted to have you on is because so I'm a USD grad, all right? So I'm, I'm hooked in with the USD folks and all the social medias and such. And up pops the other day uh, a video of you singing the national anthem in Lakota uh, before a uh, women's basketball game. And it's beautiful. Uh, just first of all, congratulations on really a beautiful rendition of the national anthem. Yeah, thank you so much. So um, tell us about yourself. Where do you come from? And how did you end up... Uh, translating the uh, national anthem into Lakota. So my name is Stephen Wilson. I'm from Pine Ridge, South Dakota. And uh, it's my first year here at USD. And uh, I actually, back in my sophomore year of high school, started to sing the national anthem in uh, the English version. And then my junior year, I started to sing it in Lakota. And the translation was handed down to me and it was written by Lorna her many horses. It was translated by her, and um, ever since I took up that challenge, I've been doing it ever since. It's it really is stunning to hear it because it 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 carries the emotion of the national anthem because we're familiar with it, and then of course the beautiful language of Lakota, and it's uh, it's really stunning. When do you uh, speak Lakota uh, outside of being able to sing the song? Well, I do know somewhat of the Lakota language, and most of what I know is conversational. And I'm able to kind of pick up conversations, and I can understand it, but um, I'm not really on a speaking level yet. Are you? Do you continue to work on it? Oh, I try to as much as I can. Yeah. Um, now that you're in Vermilion, uh, you probably uh, don't have as... You're, you're focused on your, your studies and everything else. Uh, it's probably a little tough to uh, continue to expand your vo- Lakota vocabulary. Yeah. Um, what are you? Tell us about your studies. What are you studying? I'm studying medical biology with a possible double, double major in Native American studies. That's pretty cool. What do you want to do when you grow up? I'm hoping to possibly go to med school, but if not, you could do a lot with medical biology. Yeah. So you're, uh, are you at the stage in your, uh, education where you're cutting apart a lot of stuff about animals, that sort of thing? Yeah. Just getting my generals out of the way and, um, starting to get into more of the, um, specifics of it. Yeah. Um, when you were in school in Pine Ridge, did, uh, obviously there's been some resurgence of, uh, trying to maintain, uh, Lakota speaking, um, in amongst uh, native people in South Dakota, because the the language was really starting to slide. When you were growing up, did you feel like there was an emphasis on trying to maintain uh, use of Lakota in in your your family and your school? Well, as I was growing up, my grandmothers always spoke Lakota, but it was really never something that I learned. But 
going through school, I've noticed throughout the years that the schools try to emphasize Lakota inside the classroom and outside of the classroom more and more, especially in, when I was in high school, I took three and a half years of it with Red Cloud. Oh, really? Yeah. So is it is it in a situation where you are able to practice? I mean, for instance, any any foreign language you take in an academic setting, it's hard to trans to use it unless you're able to get out and uh, converse. You know, people go to Europe or whatever to try and uh, improve their language skills. Uh, you could just go home. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. What do you find to be the most difficult thing in terms of singing in Lakota? I think that singing in Lakota, um, the way that it, Lakota songs are sung isn't exactly like the uh, singing in English. So taking Lakota words and going with an English melody was difficult at first, but after a while it stopped being a process of thinking about it and thinking about the words and how I should say it. And it became more of a uh, just feel the song, feel the emotion, uh, just go with the flow. Yeah. And so is it, if you were to write it down, the words as you're singing it, um, would they be in different order? I mean, it, it's it's because it's a national anthem, you hear it and you figure, oh, it's just the same order. But is it? Well, uh, there's a lot of Lakota words that uh, aren't really developed yet to match the English language, but the way that the national anthem in Lakota is translated, it's as close as you could possibly get it. Oh, that's interesting. And, and again, uh, tell us who translated that again. Lorna, her many horses. Oh, and was this a, did it take a while or was it a matter of uh, um, getting it, like trying it and then refining it? Or have you had any conversation with her about how that process was? No, I haven't, but I did thank her for making such a beautiful song. Uh, and does she live in Pine Ridge, or where is she living these days? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I think she's located in Arizona. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, Stephen, do uh, you got a few minutes? What I want to do is uh, we're going to take a very short break here, and I want to come back, and we're going to play the song as you sang it uh, before the basketball game in Vermilion, and then we'll talk a little more. Do you got a few minutes? Yeah, I have a few minutes. Awesome. We're going to come right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Four forty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And we are returning to our conversation with Stephen Wilson, who is a USD student, freshman and uh, majoring in medical biology down at in Vermilion. And he uh, has come to the attention of a lot of folks for his performances of the national anthem in Lakota. Um, Stephen, you were telling me that, uh, and I think the first place I heard of you doing this was at the uh, State A basketball tournament out in Rapid City. How did that happen? So um, I've been seeing at a my high school red cloud for about uh, three years while I was there. And um, Christian McGee, who is the athletic director there, asked me if I wanted to sing at uh, the state A tournament before their game that Friday. And that's how I ended up there. That was a, uh, was that your biggest stage yet? Uh, 
in terms at of, that point. Yeah. At that point, it yeah, it was. And so, uh, what was that like uh, to walk out in the court with the in the probably in the civic center out there in Rapid City and all those people and just sing? At first, I was extremely nervous, but as soon as I had the microphone in my hand and as soon as we started to go, it just came uh, smoothly, and I was excited about all that, and I was thankful for the positive responses I had gotten since then. Um, you know, I have it queued up here, so we are going to listen to your rendition uh, from the uh, University of South Dakota women's basketball game. I think this was the one uh, maybe a week or so ago, probably a week and a half, uh, and uh, we're just going to listen to it here in just a second. Here we go. That's pretty impressive, uh, Stephen Wilson singing the national anthem in Lakota. You got a pretty big cheer there at the end. Yeah. Uh, what did that feel like? It was very emotional for me because that was probably one of the biggest responses I've ever gotten, the greatest. And for me to be out there, you know, portraying this message that this song holds and to have such a good response for a performance that I was extremely nervous for was very heartwarming in it. Um, I almost cried walking off that court. Well, I I get a little bit of hair standing up on my arm just uh, listening to you talk about it. So it, it was it was impressive. And there's video of this. I saw it on YouTube, and anybody can pull that up. Just You'll search Stephen. I'll put it on our Twitter feed, too, at Peel Alley Show so people can watch it. But the impre- incredible thing to me, Stephen, is that you walk out there with just the microphone and you sing. There's no accompaniment, no nothing. Uh, when did you discover that you had the ability to do that? Because to me, that's amazing. Oh, I guess it never actually came naturally. It take, took a lot of practice. And I've noticed since the first time I've ever sang it in English to now that there's been a lot of improvements and it just took a lot of hard work and to be out there 
comfortable in front of all those people. It took a lot of practice and a lot of support from a lot of people. You hear all the time uh, stories about people uh, saying that the national anthem, the tune, is a very difficult tune to sing. It's an old British uh, melody, um, but you nailed it. Uh, it must be incredibly difficult to both sing a difficult song and using uh, Lakota, the you know the not the language you use every day. Are you having to continue to think about the words and sing at the same time? Because uh, you don't bring any music, you don't bring anything out with you. It's just you and a microphone. Yeah, so it did take me a long time. And before every time I sang that song for about two years, I'd have to um, look at the sheet music and practice a whole lot before I actually was comfortable enough to just go out there with just me and the microphone. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you ever sang um, in public for other people? Um, How old were you? I think I was about... 15 years old. And that was in, at, uh, in high school at uh, singing the national anthem? Was that the first time, or were you in other uh, opportunities to perform? So the first time I ever performed in front of anybody, I think I sang Silver Lining by Casey Musgraves for a talent show. And then from there, I went on to the national anthem. Are you currently uh, doing any other performing and singing other than the national anthem? Um, no, not at the moment. So you're you're very much a specialist at this point. Yeah. <laughs> With that, now, when you've gotten uh, quite a bit of notoriety for this, are you uh, people coming up to you and talking to you on campus, or you know, how's that going for you? Yeah, I get a lot of people coming up to me and talking to me about um, their relatives sharing it, or that they were at the game, or uh, just a lot of different instances that people came in contact with the video and they're um, thanking me and uh, telling me about how good of a job I've done. And for that, I'm just really thankful that people had such a good response to the song. What's it mean to you as a, uh, uh, a Lakota to go out there and sing the national anthem in Lakota in front of, um, on your campus, in front of a, you know, a largely uh, white audience um, and have that kind of reception and what you know i in terms of um just the pride of being uh native and doing that what do you think about that part of it much yeah so whenever i go out there i think about the people back home and i think about all those people who will be listening now and in the future, and I think about you know what this song really means, the message that it carries, the message of community and diversity that is celebrated in the song within our nation. And for that, I'm really thankful to be able to send that message out there. And I think I remember talking to my friends whenever Black Panther came out in the song, All the Stars by SZA and Kendrick Lamar came out. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, I want, to, I want to be able to do something like that. I want to be able to, you know, showcase our culture, but also, you know, show a sense of pride and dignity with our people. And, and it just hit me probably about a week ago that 
I did something like that. I was able to show pride and dignity of being Native American and being a minority in this country. That's awesome. Uh, we'll, we're going to end it there because that's a great message. Stephen Wilson, uh, thank you for taking some time with us. Uh, it's, a, it's fantastic. Thanks for doing it, and good luck out there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. We're going to come right back and finish up. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and that's the Clash. This is Radio Clash, which means it's the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Got a couple things I need to tell you about. Downtown First Friday, that is April sixth, which is a week from Friday. It's a special day of shopping, art, and entertainment in downtown Sioux Falls. Mark your calendars; it's always a great night. You get to visit a variety of retailers, artists venues and restaurants enjoy free and discounted activities at the washington pavilion be sure to stop by the show tomorrow local blogger scott arisman will be in studio to talk about the mayor's race and other city issues state blogger pat powers of south dakota war college will be with us to talk about legislative primaries from the gop side and scott hudson is our weird friend of the day that's all tomorrow on the big show information 1000 kso illumination